0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Mark chapter number 11. I'm gonna jump in for the sake of time. If you missed last Sunday, uh, you can jump on the podcast. We talked, kind of teeing up this Sunday, talked about living what kind of a life, church? The God first life putting God first living for God first you can catch up on the podcast and it leads us to this morning and uh, I want to talk today really about the idea of God allowing us to be a part of a heart for his house allowing us to be a part of Jesus stories I love that video of Jasmine what a great video I love the video last week of Tommy and Leah telling their story The video before that, the week before that, Kitty, down here on the front row. Kitty, would you stand to your feet? Come on, make some noise. This is Katie Abrams. Lives in Burbanks and serves faithfully as Zoe Kids. And uh, played her video story of her and her husband. And, you know, Zoe is full of Jesus stories. Full of people that have encountered Jesus. Jesus has changed their life. And now the narrative has been altered. The story of their life has been changed. We're believing that today through Heart for the House, so many stories will transpire because of your sacrifice. So many people will be changed because of what you and I give. Amen. And uh, we're finding this here in Mark chapter 11. And watch this here on the screen. This is right before Jesus dies for the sins of the world. It reads as follows. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent Two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tie on which nobody has ever sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why in the world are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But some of the people that were watching said, what are you doing loosing this colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let me just give you a picture of what has just transpired. Jesus is about to come into the city of Jerusalem where he will be betrayed. He will be beaten and lashed. He will hang on a cross for the sins of the world. But before he comes into the city, he looks at his guys and he goes, guys, um, just a heads up. You need to go into, this, into the town, and there's a donkey over there that's tied up. I want you to go and get it for me. I just want to encourage you today. God knows what you have, God knows what's in your possession. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord, they search to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eye of the Lord is upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Anybody thankful today that God knows the status of your bank accounts? He knows the condition of your soul. He knows where your relationships are at. Anybody thankful today that God is watching our life? He knows when you stand up and sit down. God knows when you come out and go out and come in. God knows. So he says, I, I, I know because I know everything. There's a colt over there and um, and it's tied up. And I want you to tell him the Lord has I like this part. The Lord has need of it. Like, God, are you saying you need what I have? Like, I thought God has everything. Like the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and all that is within it. God's God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You know, the interesting thing about God is sometimes God needs what you have by the way you have because God gave it to you. So sometimes you've got to just acknowledge, I'm going to give back what belongs to God. That's really not my donkey. That donkey belongs to the Lord. The Lord has need of it. Can you imagine there are things in your possession right now that God needs? He said, I need that donkey. And by the way, I don't just want any donkey. I want the donkey. Sorry, Shrek, I'm into it. Um, I want the donkey that nobody has ever sat on. This is God speaking of his supremacy. This is God speaking of his preeminence. That God is saying, listen, I don't want the donkey in the back of the stable that's broken down and has so many miles on it and this guy won't get me in. No, I want the best donkey you got. I want the one that nobody's used. I want you to bring my first. Bring your best to me. Come on, everybody. Thank for day that God is not worthy of our secondary leftovers. Come on. He's worthy of our very best. He said, I want you to go in the city. You, you just you there's going to be a donkey. Just a heads up. There's a donkey. It's tied up. Tell him God needs it. The Lord needs it. And get me the one nobody has ever nobody's ever been on this donkey. So they walk up. They're like, "Uh, oh, just a heads up. God said God, just in life. I just want to tell you, be very careful when you throw down the God card. Like when it's the God card, it better be the God card. They're like, hey, just a heads up, we're not here on our own agenda. Is God that needs it. Like, oh, God, you just, if God needs it. So they let the donkey go and watch what happens. Did you, did you see it in the script? It says they throw all their clothes on, The donkey, and they put a whole bunch of leaf branches down on the ground. And Jesus, the Messiah, at 33 years of age, he rides into Jerusalem. The Bible calls this the triumphal entry. He rides into Jerusalem off the sacrifice of some donkey owners. He rides into the city. Listen, a lot of people want triumph, not everybody wants sacrifice. Before you got to have a triumph, you got to have a sacrifice. And Jesus rides in off the sacrifice and the offering of Some donkey owners. This is just amazing. They're, They're shouting now, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And everybody's shouting and they're waving their branches. And this couple over here is going, OMG! That's our donkey! Yo, Sue, can you believe? That's our donkey! Jesus is riding our donkey. I cannot, this is mind blowing. I can't, I, when I got up this morning, I never would have saw this coming. We're just ordinary people. God himself, the, the Messiah is riding on our sacrifice. The city would never be the same. Humanity would never be the same. The world would never be the same off of the regular sacrifice of some people that own some donkeys. I want to preach to somebody today. You might like, you might feel like you got ordinary stuff, but God can use it to do extraordinary things. This is just unbelievable. God needs what I have. My possessions, he gave them to me, and he's looking for me to give him my best. I want you to write down the title of this morning's message. It's, um, it's really simple. It's just called, That's Me in the Story. That's me in the story, and I want you to get a revelation today that God is inviting you to be in on some Jesus stories. Some people that are going to get freed from addictions, people that are going to get let go from depression, some people that are literally going to get their life changed. You and I get to be in on the story. We might stand on the sidelines going, I can't believe God lets me be in on the triumph and the victory of others moving from blindness to sight, from death to life, come being lost being found. Come on. Anybody want to be a part of some Jesus stories here on earth? Come on. We got to give to God what belongs to him. That's me in the story. I got to be honest. where I really got it from that's me in the story. That's me. Anyways, let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you are so good. You are so gracious. You are so kind. We ask that this morning you would show us and teach us how to be those that willingly give to you what already belongs to you. We thank you that you are so kind. You have given us everything that we have. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for life forevermore. Thank you that you're a good, a kind, a loving, and a gracious God. We acknowledge today that you're for us and not against us. You are with us. And we we say today as a church that we have a heart for your house. We declare that you are building your church and you're using people like us to build it. We love you more than life itself. And God, we thank you that the Dodgers will win the World Series in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Come on, let's applaud and thank the Lord in advance. Come on, let's just applaud and thank God in advance. I'm gonna give you four things to write down this morning. Four things. Here's the first thing write down number one givers, givers are joyful. Just I love this about giving because you never see people give like ugh, ugh the worst. Giving is a joyful act. Give it, you you are made to give and you are made by a God that gives joyfully. In fact, when Jesus gave His life, when Jesus made the decision to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world, he, he, the Bible says He didn't go like going like why do I have to do this? But it says He went with the joy that was set before Him. Come on, watch here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says this of Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, he gave his life gladly. He gave his best with a smile on his face. He gave his best knowing lives will be touched. Stories will unfold. Something will happen if I give my best. Givers are joyful. I, just, I always think what the Bible says. It's better to give than it is to what? Receive. I'm, I just had my birthday. I turned thirty-eight years old. I'm a grown man now, four kids. And so, on my birthday, I got I got many presents. And on my present, when I open my presents, I always think when I'm opening a gift, I'm blessed that I'm receiving it. But the person that gave me this gift is more blessed than me. Like I'm blessed because I got the gift, but the person that gave the gift is more blessed than me because it's better to give than it is to receive. And there's something about giving with joy. Your giving is always attached to joy. Giving is addictive. When you start giving, you start to live to give. In fact, my friend Carl Lent says, you ain't living till you start giving. Because once you start giving, now you're really living. Now you're living the abundant life. You're living the joy. You're more blessed. That's why you're a resource. That's why you're a blessing. So when you're giving, you're, giving, you're living the joyful life. Watch here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, how the Bible teaches us that God is in to joyful givers. God is in to cheerful givers. Watch here what it says. 2 Corinthians 9 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Cheerful. Somebody's just like, it's hard for the house, and I'm just I'm so excited. I love to give hilariously. I love to give cheerfully. Like, in other words, if you don't give today, don't give like, man, church want my money, man. God, they're always talking about God want my money. If that's your heart, that's your attitude, keep your money. Because God does not love a reluctant or someone that gives under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. I remember a couple years ago, Julie and I we were at this 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 great fundraiser, and we went. You know, we got all dressed up with our friends, and we all went to this fundraiser. And we, to be honest, we we went to the fundraiser. We had no plans to give anything. We were there to have a party. Okay, we were there to have fun with our friends. So we got all of our friends in town. We're gonna have a great night. We go. It's beautiful place, and we got the whole spread of food. And we're just we're there to have fun. We're there to party with our friends. We're having a great time. So we're there. We're having a good time, and we, the, the giving moment is like happening. We're not. Moving. None of our friends are moving. We're having a good time. And so this person walked over and this lady somehow strong armed us and pulled our arm enough and got us to give. None of us wanted to give, but she got us to give. She, she forced us to give. And so I remember me and my friends are looking at each other like. Wow, this, and, and so I'm writing down, this is the only time socially it's okay to look what your friend's putting down. Like, how much are you giving? Like, what are you giving? Show me what you're giving. Okay, that's how I'm, I'm giving a little, okay, a little bit more than you because I'm better. And so <laughs> I'm telling you, this girl got us to give, and all of us, we went to dinner afterwards, we're like, man, she got us. She got, man, they, they hoodwinked us. God is not trying to give you, get you to give offerings and tithes like, man, why? I'm giving to God. No, we give because God gave to us. We're not giving to God. We're returning to God. We're offering to God. We're responding to God. God loves a cheerful giver. The reality is, is that when we give, we make a definitive line between our relationship with money and our relationship with God. We're basically saying, I serve God. I don't serve money. I am in this for the God thing, not the money thing. In fact, would you write down point number two? I love this when it comes to money. Money is not the answer. Money is not the answer. In other words, money can buy you a lot of things, but money can't buy you everything. Money, listen, I always think during the prayer reprise, you know, we come up here, we have the prayer cards. I look through the prayer cards. I I'll, I'll guarantee you 70 to 80% of the cards, money can solve those problems. That's why I always think there's a big difference between a miracle and money. Mo- money is, God can pr- provide money. There's a difference between miracle. Someone that needs a tumor to be healed. Someone that needs to be healed of cancer. A little girl that her brain never formed that needs a, a miracle of God so she can stand up and walk. Anybody believe in miracles? A lot, there's a difference between a miracle and money. And listen, God can provide money. Money, is, m- money can do so much. But listen, money is not everything. Money cannot buy you respect. Money cannot buy you love. Money cannot buy you health in your soul. Money cannot buy you peace on your pillow. So money solves a lot of problems, but it didn't solve all problems. Watch it. This is Bible now. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. Watch what the Bible teaches us about money. It says a feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry, but money answers everything. What's the Bible trying to say? Money answers a lot of the problems in our life. If you got money, you'll be able to help people out. you got money, you can pay the bills. So much of the pressure is gone. So much of, of, of what you're facing in life is gone. But money can't answer everything. In fact, I think some of us, the way that we were raised, and the philosophy that we have towards money, if you don't have the right mindset towards money, if you get more, you'll just spend more. You get more money, that won't solve all your issues. It will solve it for a short time, but not a long time. That's why statistics say people that, that win the lottery, they'll eventually end up bankrupt. Why? Because they just got more money and they spent more money. We have to understand, money is not the solution to everything. Jesus is the solution to everything, and he can actually teach me how to appropriately approach money. Because the reality is more is more. A lot of us want more money, you, but, but you don't want more temptation. You don't want more access. A lot of times more money means more pressure. A lot of times more money means more demand. That that, that doesn't mean it's going to solve all your problems. But when you and I come to God and we say, I will not serve money, I will serve God. I will not serve mammon, I will serve God. I give my life to God, not to money. Somebody say amen. Oh, I like this. Watch what else it says about money in Ecclesiastes. It says this about money. It says, for wisdom is a defense. Wisdom is a defense. For wisdom is a defense. What's the Bible saying there? Wisdom is a defense. Wisdom. If you use wisdom, you use wisdom. Go get wisdom. If wisdom comes into your life, it will defend you from not going to do something stupid. It will defend you. Wisdom is a defense. And you know what else is a defense? Money is a defense. So in other words, money can keep you from from going under, getting bankrupt, getting yourself in a bad situation. Money is a defense. It builds a wall for you. So we need money. Money is essential. Money makes the world go round. you got to have money. If you want to make an impact in the world and have an influence for God, you need money. I love that story of Jesus that he tells about the Good Samaritan. Remember that story about Jesus and the Good Samaritan? What did the Good Samaritan do? The Good Samaritan... Put him up in a hotel room, paid for all of his medical bills. I always think if you want to be a blessing, you got to have a Samaritan's purse. You need some money to be a blessing. You need some resource. You need some donkeys in the stable to be able to give something to God. Somebody say amen. So write down point number three. Money is not evil. Money is not bad. You and I should learn that we want to leave a legacy. It's going to take money to leave a legacy. To impact the earth, we need money to impact the earth. To build a church that reflects the glory of God, we need money. Money is not evil. The Bible teaches us that the love of money is the root of all evil. In fact, watch here in 1 Timothy chapter six. Watch what it teaches us about the love of money for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows for the, not money. Money is, listen, money. You can be a blessing money. You can help others money. You can build God's church money. You can bless your children money. You can leave a legacy. Come on. Am I preaching? Anybody wants money? I pray that you would be financially blessed. I pray that your bank accounts will grow. I believe it's the heart of God, the will of God, that you are blessed. And God can bless your socks off. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to have great success. Anybody believe that? I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm a Bible teacher. That's what the Bible teaches. So money is not bad. We're all in agreement on that. But the love of money will annihilate your soul the love of money will destroy you. And so we do not give into the spirit of the world that's like, yo, get rich or die trying. No, I live for God, not for money. It's very easy in church to be like, oh, I will never love money. I love God. But I gotta be honest, as a grown man, 38 years old now, four chest hair, I have to keep myself in check that I don't lean or slip into a love for money. All of us are prone and susceptible to giving in to that spirit. Somebody say amen. So it's attention. We live in attention. I live in the fear of God, but yet I'm a human. And so I got to make sure God keep my heart clean from the love of money. When I give my tithe, it's making sure I make a statement in my heart and in my mind. I don't serve money, I serve God. When I give my heart for the house offering, I'm saying to God, God, you are more important than money. I will not bow. I will not acquiesce. I will not capitulate to a spirit of mammon. I only bow to the spirit of God. God is God, not money. So I stay free from the love of money. We had this guy, when we first started the church, he was really involved, like super, super involved. And he was serving and helping so much. And, 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 he, and, he, and he really helped us start the church in the beginning. And then he just like bounced. He bounced for like a long time. And he bounced out and, and, and he went to go pursue his career. And, and recently, in the last couple months, he's come back to help, you know, the dream team. By the way, side note, did you know last Sunday on the dream team, we had 23 people serve on the dream team for the first time last Sunday. Come on, put your hands together. Isn't that fantastic? This guy is back serving. And, but he told me something so profound. He said, you know, when I left church and serving God, he's not a bad guy. He just, he goes, I wanted to make money. I wanted to get my career going. He goes, So I bounced out and I went and, went and tried this stuff. And I worked so hard at it. He said, you know, I, I could tell I was so unfulfilled. I was so empty. I was because I was just chasing money. I wanted this, that, and the other. He started listing stuff that he wanted, and it left me dry. It's amazing to me. So many people, they have money, but they don't have contentment. They have finances, but they don't have peace in their soul. Listen, money can solve a lot of problems, but it can't solve all the problems. And I'm believing that the money we have, we use it to build God's house. We use it for Jesus stories because then there's a contentment attached to our finances. See the difference? So here's how we do it. Here's how we combat it give you this last thing to write down because I believe in this truth so much. This is how we approach money. This is how we approach life. Write down the fourth and the final thought today is what I want to tell you. Write down number four. Jesus has won me over. So the way I just, I just tell God, God, here's, um, here's my gifts. Here's my time. Here's all my energy. And for sure, you can have my bank accounts. God, I just... You've won all of me. You ever be around somebody and you like, you know, you can't bring up a subject because it's like. It's a sore subject or it's like sensitive and you're like, we can't talk to so-and-so about that person or about that situation because we know they're going to react. We know they're going to get upset. So we got to walk around eggshells around that area because if we we bring it up, then there's a reaction. I just I want to live my life before God that I'm like, God, any area of my life belongs to you. This is David, Psalm 139. David comes before God and he goes, God, search me and know me, try me and test me. If there's anything in my life I'm withholding from you, anything in my life that doesn't please you, point it out, God, and I'll deal with it because you've won me over. You've got my life. You won the battle. You died on the cross. I surrender all, not part of me, not half of me, but all of me. Come on, somebody, thank God today that we surrender our whole life before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus, you've won me over. I'm going to invite the keyboard player to come, but I just want to encourage you this morning that when it comes to our relationship with God, that we cannot separate our relationship with money and our relationship with God. That we don't have separate relationships like, well, that's how I deal with money, but you know, how I deal with God is different, you know? Because it's, it's a different relationship. No, they're, they're hand in hand. In fact, God, in fact, there's only one subject in the Bible that God talks about more than money, and it's the kingdom of God. He addresses it, whether it's directly or indirectly, 2,000 times throughout Scripture. Talks more about money than sex. Talks more about money than heaven or hell combined. Talks more about money than anything other than the kingdom of God. Why? Kingdom of God has the highest priority. And God puts the money right here because he knows how close it is to our heart. He knows what a battle it is. And I'm just here to tell you as Zoe, we are making the decision to be Jesus followers, heart and soul. And part of that is just saying, God, you got all, you got it all. You got gifts, you gave them to me. Time, you, you, you created time. Energy, oh God, please give me energy that I can do the work that you put in my hand. Money, God, it's yours. What do you want? Lord, what do you what? Oh, you want, you want my donkey? Why didn't you say so? The one that nobody sat on, God, I give you my best. I'm believing that in our church, we will be those types of people that we're saying, you know what? I'd rather be on the story, standing on the sidelines, watching Jesus do his thing right into our city with a triumphal entry going, I can't believe I get to see Jasmine's life changed and, and Tommy's life changed and Kitty's life changed all because I got to offer to God, not my, not my secondary leftovers, but my very best. Come on, somebody thank God today that we are making decisions this morning. To say, God, that's me in the story. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.